Hey, Mac, when does deer season start? Well, if you want the best deer herd possible, Lanny, you need to start right now. Right now. That's, That's why right. we're starting our promotion. I mean, we've got a deer season starts now promotion on plantbiologic.com where you can pick up our game changer soybeans, our forage soybeans, and our spring protein peas. While you're there, you might as well go ahead and pick up some brassicas like our final forage and winter bowls. Yeah, stock up for the cool season planting right now. Listeners to the GK Podcast, if you use coupon code GKPOD, you can save an additional 10% off our entire selection of warm season, cool season, and clover food plot seed. Get started today and visit plantbiologic.com for an unforgettable fall. I am Jeff Foxworthy, and welcome to Gamekeeper Podcast. If you want to learn more about farming for wildlife and habitat management, then buddy, you are in the right place. Join the Gamekeeper crew direct from Mossy Oak Land Enhancement Studio as they discuss the latest wildlife and habitat management practices, news, and of course, hunting. There's no telling what you'll learn, but I'm going to tell you, I bet it's interesting. Enjoy. Un cero dire. <laughs> is he doing oh, it one day? I don't know. I really don't even know what that meant, do you? But I, let's get this thing started, Lanny. I'm so excited. We've got a really interesting podcast today. I, it is. I'm still trying to figure out what Max said, though. It was either in Spanish or French. Oh, we still on the charts? Oh, we're in we're, the charts we're on the, the Spanish? French charts. Oh, okay. I don't know what those guys are. What, what about our podcast interests them? But, and, and, and looking around, we've got. John Tatum with us today. The John Tatum. Yeah. The self-proclaimed brim master. He, he's from Itawah Cam- yeah. County. He's a panfish. He's in the panfish. Yeah, Itawah County. Itawamba. Itawamba County. Itawamba County. He's country's corner. He probably ate a brim sandwich for lunch. Hey, he likes a panfish sandwich. What's the best part of it? The tail. The whole thing. And the tail, man. Tell it's pretty good. <laughs> well, we sometimes call John Juan. Yeah. So if if that, why don't want our audience to get confused if we say when we something say Juan, like, we're talking about John. Yeah. yeah. If we say hit it Juan, we'll they'll know what we're talking about. So Dudley's on vacation. John is sitting in. Are we going to ask John instead of ask Dudley? We're going to ask you. Me. Yep. About yep. what? Well, you'll see. And okay. then uh, Toxie's missing in action, but I think he's on a track. He's planting corn. Yep. I can tell you where he is. Yeah. So. That's so this is going to be a good one. You know, I, all my life, brim fishing is something that I've... I, I spent a lot of time chasing down crickets in the yard and drowning them in, in the ponds around my house. You know, it's, how it's I think, how most people are introduced to the outdoors. Yeah, you know? I, I, John was 100%. just showing me the his video of his three-year-old catching his first one, you know. Uh, and it was absolutely precious for one thing, uh, but really cool. My kids all started out the same way. So, I mean, I would say, I don't know, in the South, you know, your introduction to the outdoor is, is your introduction to the outdoors is probably through, Brim. brim fishing. It's a gateway drug. It's, uh, there you go. Is it B-R-I-M or B-R-E-A-M? E-A-M. Brim. It, it, brim. Look, when I was little. Not brim. Brim. Talk about yeah. like what you remember. I can remember being really small and sitting in a John boat with my dad sculling around. And he had a fly rod. And he caught a great big old, it was purple, black, big mm-hmm. old bull, bluegill at Lake Jordan, and, which is near Montgomery. And when he pulled it up out of the water, it was peeing. It was oh, a yeah. big old thick one. That's and what I can my dad still remember that to this day. My dad would get them and squeeze them. Yeah. And kids make them pee that. all over yeah, you. I just thought that was the coolest thing. Oh, I'm glad your dad peed on you with fish pee, too, like mine did. <laughs> we got more bonds than we ever knew, Bobby. Uh, you, yeah. What about we, you, we John? Did. You ever been John. peed on by a brim? Juan, you have. My kids hate it as well. Yeah. So you, that's I, the first thing I do. When they got their back turned, I bend him. Oh, daddy, stop. Yeah. Fish pee. 
Yeah, that's so much. Fun. So what, today we've got we got two guests. Yes. We have Don Keller, who's a longtime friend of mine, and yes. we'll introduce him later when when we get on. Uh, he started. He and Barry Smith founded American Sport Fish Hatchery. He's been around a long Great time. Great partners of ours, no doubt and, about uh, it. And, and some young guys are taking that over and, and doing wonderful things with it. And then we've got a young lady named Sarah Parker, and she is growing some of the biggest brim I've ever seen. Where? Well, in North Alabama, she and her father. Uh, have just made it a mission to try to grow the state record, which, which, by the way, would be record? the world record. And well, I wanted to ask: Do you either of you guys know what the uh, what the world record bluegill weighs? How much? I'm sure wine does. Four point one two pounds. You're close. It's, four point three eight. It's actually four point one two ounce. Four pound twelve ounces. Uh, that's right. He must have looked under the thing. He probably did. Yeah. Yeah, so that wine slipped that's a, now. That's a huge. Brand. <laughs> really? Hey, one question: North Alabama? Yeah, that's where she's raised them. Yeah, yeah. So We're close to Huntsville, I think. We, we can ask her. We can get GPS coordinates. From yeah, her. do we get to go fish? Well, I, I don't know. Okay, we'll, we'll see. Oh, it'd be nice to catch one of them things that big. Yeah, just one. It'd pee on you for a long time. <laughs> Full of it. Yeah. Okay. So before we go there, uh, Jason McKellar is here. You know, we got this uh, countdown to our hundredth episode. And uh, we got a great prize today. Jason, would you tell us what's going on there, please? Can you hear me? We can. We okay. can. All right. Uh, okay, so 97th episode of the giveaway. Uh, this is episode 97. Episode 97. On the way to 100. Yep, yep. So uh, 100th episode giveaway. Just go online and uh, complete the form on mossyoakgamekeeper.com slash podcast giveaway. Uh each episode, we got a question. Well, we have a trivia, and they answer it, and you take that answer and enter it in the form. Uh, so this week, we well, yeah. have sunglasses from Leopold. Ooh. Yeah. Hey, they, man. They're good. They're really good. I'm telling you, I fall in love with mine. They're great. Yeah. I mean, you stole the ones that... that stole? Uh, well... That's a harsh they were, word. They were gone, and then all of a sudden they were on your hat. So. Are they not on there now? They're fantastic glasses. They're, That's no, a great no prize. So my understanding is whoever wins then just lets us know, goes to the Leopold website, picks out what pair they want, and uh, lets us know, and then we'll have Leopold send those glasses to them. Good deal. They'll love them. So you're going to ask a question and try to stump us. Okay, yeah. So I had a fish question. I thought it was going to be good. but now All right, Juan, get ready. I, I kind of dug into it, and I'm no expert by no means, and there's a little gray area to it, uh, so it, it, I might crash and burn, but we'll see. Yeah. So the question is, how many species of black bass are in North America? What? Why? Oh, Y'all couldn't got an easier question. You over there using no, Google? No, no, no. Well, there's a little, there's a little controversy on some of them. What is a black bass? Oh, hold up. What's well, the answer? Speak up there. I'm thinking. I, I know. <laughs> I think I know. I think it's seven. You, you writing the questions? No, I'm not writing. The okay, questions. whatever. Four. Eight. Twelve. It's, it might be six. Three. Are you ready? Yeah. Nine. Nine. None. Nine. <laughs> now, but just to clarify, there, there are four other ones that there's been a paper written on. So there's a little dis- mouth. There's a little disagreement. Some people say thirteen, but generally speaking, nine's going to be. Well, help me here. What is a black bass? Well, a uh, largemouth bass. So a, a bass. bass. So then, so then you. So is a small bass. bass. Is a small bass. Which is mean Florida. mouth. No, that mean mouth is not what we're talking about. We're, we're, there's, it's one of them. I promise you, he's 
There's yeah. a uh, there's a Guadalupe bass in Texas. Oh yeah, I forgot about that, him. So, uh, is there a white a bass? Small mouth. There's a white bass. Yeah. Is it part of the black bass family? I don't think it is. <laughs> I don't think so. No, you got no. the list. There's, yeah, a, okay. there's a red eye shoal bass. Yep. Large mouth. There's a spotted bass that's in the rivers around here. Yep. There's the northern black bass. There's, there's a Florida, a Florida bass. I don't see a. So let me just go through them. Yeah, please do. Florida bass. Yep. Guadalupe bass, yep. smallmouth bass, Alabama bass, huh. shoal bass, red eye bass, spotted bass, swanee bass, and largemouth bass. That adds up to nine. Which one are we missing? One. Mean mouth. Mean mouth. Yeah. So hey, what? A, so a guy puts Is that in like nine. Like warmouth. Is that what yeah. they do? Yeah. So yeah, the answer is nine. So uh, just go online, mossyogamekeeper uh, Click on a podcast giveaway and enter number nine, and you'll see a little section that says episode yeah. 97, Leopold Glasses. Click on that, enter number nine. And you can win a prize. And you can win a prize. Get and registered to win, and the grand prize exactly. of the, the gun. The yeah. Browning. Santa yeah. Toxies calls it. That, yeah. Better in bottom land, <laughs> Browning A5. <laughs> I love it. Toxies shotgun. Out of his safe, <laughs> not out of his closet. Oh, that's so. right. <laughs> but it's a beautiful gun. And there's going to be several more prizes. This is going to be a lot of fun. So they uh, just put in nine, and that's their chance yeah. to win. So, so obviously Juan has not been listening to the contest road because he just said, well, why did we give him the answer? Well, I mean, it's, have you ever seen a Christmas story? Yeah. Okay. You know the drink more Ovaltine scene? Okay, so you have it right there. So we're helping people get the answers. They're registering to win prizes. Hundredth uh, episode, we're going to give all this stuff away. Jason, thank you. That was uh, that was a good question. I yep. sure thought it was eight rather than nine, but uh, I guess I was probably the closest though. Of course you are. When you write the answers and the questions, you're going to be closer. I did not write that, Jason. Jason. Yeah. Did All right, so answer? we're waiting on Sarah to get online <laughs> for some she, uh, Richie, are you dealing with that? Okay. So Mac, you wanna while we're while we got this break into action, you wanna go ahead and do a commercial? Absolutely. So since we're talking about fishing, I felt like there was no better thing to talk about than our biologics perfect pond. I mean, the pond fertilizer, you can find it at your tractor supplies uh, on plantbiologic.com. And, I mean, all the lakes that we fish in around here, I mean, use it, and it's just a drastic difference. It, ma it makes such a good difference in the lake. Yep. Yeah, jump on Google Perfect Pond Fertilizer, and yeah, you can't miss it. Pond. Oh, you just Perfect Pond. So, yeah, so in um, the guest we're going to have a little bit later on, Don Keller helped Develop uh, it. He, he helped in, in that's right. That's He's right. a scientist, and it, it is a fantastic product. I bet he could answer the trivia question. Oh, yeah. Well, it wouldn't have been fair. It, but so, so you're right. So the, the perfect pond. This time of year, guys, fertilizing your pond is an important thing. And if you've never done it, it really ups that carrying capacity. We'll talk about that in just a few minutes, I'm sure. But mm -hmm. uh, it, it, there's a lot of different places. But you might try driving by a tractor supply store. They carry those five-pound bags. And ah. then, and go to our website on Plant the Plant Biologic or Amazon. Pick it up on Amazon, too. And it's so, so easy to use. The water uh, How it's water-soluble, I mean, you can literally just, I mean, get on the bank and throw it out or get in your John boat. I mean. And it'll permeate to the other side. You don't have to. Uh, I mean, it's just the way it's designed, and it's over my head, but it'll permeate all the way mm -hmm. across the lake. Mm -hmm. It's really, really fascinating stuff. What else? Is that it, Mike? That's it. Okay. That's a great one. Yeah, thank you so much. Good and, stuff. So well, while we're waiting on uh, on Sarah to get on here, John, why don't you? What's going on in the world of mossy oak fishing? 
Uh, and let me tell a little bit about you, just real quick. You work downtown in the in the Marshall Shield Licensing How long Department. Here? How long you been here, John? July be twelve years. Twelve years Ooh. in the ditches with us. And you're a you're a big fisherman. That's probably Love what it. you enjoy I don't get to do it like I used to, but. Well, you started this real job instead of that other one. No, we took on a house project, building oh, a house. Oh, there it is. <laughs> and, uh, you get to fish again in a time. couple of years. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so you're down there where all the serious stuff goes on. It, so you're <laughs> better off to tell us what's going on in the world of mossy oak fishing than anybody. Yeah, mossy oak fishing has grown leaps and bounds in, since it started. Mossy oak elemasagua remains the most widely distributed and marketing fishing pattern across the retail industry and on all major tournament trails. Mossy oak really? elements. Yeah. Nice. Organized tournament trail standpoint from the youth to the professional levels. Uh, mossy oak is, fishing is the leader in tournament fishing trails. Uh, we have... We are the premier brand of patterns, and the result, if you can find us on the best performing brands like Hook, Columbia, AFCO, Pure Fishing, and Pure Fishing involves Abu Garcia, Shakespeare, Ugly Stick, Plano, uh, and basically all major retailers. Man, that's some top Have you seen that Bottomland Ugly Stick? I have. It's impressive. Yeah, it really I mean, I love is. it, Bottomland, of course, but it's a really good-looking thing. Yeah. And you can't break them. That's right. And they're in Bottomland. I mean, come on. And the Ugly Stick is a... Fantastic rod. It yeah. is. Yeah. Yeah. Yes. yeah. Those are great brands. What else? Uh, we are the exclusive and official camo of Major League Fishing. How about that? Whom uh, Kevin Van Dam is fishing right now for Major League Fishing on Watts Bar in Tennessee in the championship day. KVD. Hmm. I, w- well, I, I think that guy knows what he's doing. Yeah, well, I wish we could get him as a We've talked. He's coming. He's going to be on the podcast. I would love to talk to him. I have, I have confirmation. Hey, and he's a huge gamekeeper. I mean, I think that's what he likes to do more than anything. Yeah, I think so, too. All right, John, what else you got? Oh, we've got an ICAST coming up here in a couple of weeks. and uh, You going to be there? I'm not, but uh, everybody else will be. Yeah. I'll see you fishing. I'll have a big If booth. you're there, stop by and see us. Yeah. There you go. Have you tried the Mossy Oak Fishing Shorts? Oh, they're th- th- those Hydroplex technology. Oh, my goodness. Yeah. Best I shorts mean, on the planet. They really are the best shorts. I, I mean, I wear them all the time. So I like unfortunately, I don't fish all the time either. But I do wear those shorts all the time because they're that comfortable. So, Lanny, I'm glad you mentioned that. We got a trivia question later on. And uh, then the prize for that is going to be a Mossy Oak Fishing shirt, those shorts, and the Hydroplex, the really comfortable ones you're talking I, I about. I want to get in on this one, yeah. yeah. I, I tell you, it's a great product. So, all the team down there has done a really good job developing that stuff. So yeah, they have. kudos. Yeah, they have. I, I, the Mossy Oak fishing stuff is beautiful. There's is. a shirt that's kind of red, white, and blue. I don't, can't remember the name of that pattern, but I saw it today. Well, on, we got Coastal, and then we go to the, the Wake Form and all that good stuff. It's I just, can't keep up with it's it. Incredible. Several different colorways in each of those, Agua. And- so, guys, I would highly encourage you to, if you like on Instagram, like mm-hmm. Lanny is and Mac is, <laughs> is to, to go to follow Mossy Oak Fishing. Uh, yeah. Yeah, and yeah, I think you would enjoy it because there's some good stuff that's on there. So, are you not on Instagram anymore, Bobby? Uh, you know, I kind of, I'm on and off. I take breaks. <laughs> yeah. It makes me crazy. Yeah. The little yeah, thank Instagram you, fasting. Hey, this is Toxie Hayes with Mossy Oak. You know, hunting and fishing, gamekeeping, and taking care of the land with my family is my life. And I'll be honest with you, the one app that I'm on every day and use more than anything is Onyx. It literally has changed my life. 
from property ownership to roads, everything to do with understanding the land better. I even use it to plot acreages all the time. Every function I could dream of, use coupon code MOSSYOAK to save 20% on your next Onyx subscription. Trust me, you'll be so glad you did. Look, guys, well, I'm real excited. We've got two guests. We've got Don Keller, who I mentioned earlier, who founded American Sport Fish Hatchery and helped. There you go. And helped develop the Perfect Pond Plus fertilizer. Yes. And then we've got a young lady, Miss Sarah Parvin. She's on a mission. Uh, she, she is on a mission. To, yeah. She and her father, which is very endearing to oh, hear no the question story. no about it. Her father, and, uh, and, and they're they're trying to grow a state record, into, which would also be the world record. So. Nah. So is that just the Alabama record? Is that big? Yeah, well, it was cut. Yes, the Alabama record so is the, the current, state record. Oh, okay, well, the Alabama any, record is the world record. So it's is there ready. any brim anywhere else? Yeah, they're all over. Okay. And there's a lake in Arizona that's. Good. So let, let's get let's introduce sorry, Sarah sorry, first. Sarah. Sarah, thank you for being here. <laughs> so you got the horse, Sarah. <laughs> yeah. So look, guys. Um, well, this is going to be really interesting. I've got a lot of questions, but I want to throw out the first one. Uh, Sarah, we're fascinated by these big fish that you and your your father are growing, and 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 the the Don is on here to help us with the science and understand. Ultimately, Lanny, at the end of this podcast, I want our listeners and myself to know how they might can grow some bigger brim. A in bigger their brim, pond, yeah. And then how to catch these great big old brim because they're a different look, a little different f- breed. Yeah, yeah. So that's what we want to learn from Sarah, and Don's going to help us there. But Sarah, could you kind of tell your story about how this all started yeah, and how it all came about? Yeah. So um, I have fished pretty much my entire life. My whole family fishes. I grew up in South Alabama and Montgomery. That's where I'm from. Um, and so my aunt worked for Ray Scott for, I don't know, 40 years. So we grew up, like, I just figured everybody fished. We're in the South. You hunt or you fish. That's what you do. Um, and so my dad is a retired radiation oncologist. And once he got his practice up here in Huntsville established, he decided to dig a pond. And it was a trophy bass pond up until four years ago. So we dug this pond about 27 years ago, I believe. And we had a couple of fish kills throughout that time. But the last one, which was four years ago today, was a total loss. We lost everything. We lost trophy bass. So we said we had to start over. So we decided to restock. We stocked with tiger bass and copper nose bluegill from American Sportfish um, down in Auburn. And fast forward about 18 months, two years in, I started catching the bluegill. And I caught one and I thought, well, this fish has a different look to it. It just, it looks, it's a heavy fish. It's not a pan fish, so to speak. It was just a heavy fish. Then I started catching them regularly and I went to my dad and I said, we really have something here. Um, This is unique because not only are these copper nose large in a short amount of time, we have lots of them. We have lots of really big copper nose. So at that time we decided to halt the bass program and really sort of like press the gas on growing copper nose bluegill 
and it has absolutely exploded over the last year and a half with interest and people commenting about it. Um, and it has been quite the adventure. <laughs> so, Don, is the the, uh, the copper nose bluegill? Now, where are they from? Well, I'll tell you a little short story here. The the, the copper nose bluegill. I started dealing with these things back in. Uh, 80s, I'd done some research, literature research, and the copper nose, the home range, is about the same range as the Florida bass. At that time, it was from Tallahassee on south, the peninsula of Florida. And I'd read a little bit, wasn't much in the literature, but it grew a little faster. So I contacted a biologist I knew with the game and fish, and he said, oh, it's the same thing you've got up there. And I, I said, no, I don't think so. So I went to Auburn and I talked with Dr. Randy. He was a major professor of mine, and he was an ichthyologist. He said, no, it's a subspecies. It's uh, Lepomus macrochios purpurescens. And they'd done some, uh, had a graduate student that had did some genetic work, that was for DNA, where you did a electrophoresis, which separates amino acids. And, it was, and uh, they confirmed it was. So I'd, uh, I talked with people in Georgia, the game and fish over there, and they had, they had some interest, and they'd actually sent some people down into Florida, south of Tallahassee, around the land, and picked up a few copper nose and brought them. They had a farmer that had an isolated pond. They brought them back and put them in that pond, <clears throat> and they were going to you know, try to observe them. And I talked to one of them that I talked to was uh, Mike Newman. He used to work for me as a summer intern when I was a biologist up out of East Alabama, so I Connected with Mike, and I took a truck and a seine, and I went over there, and I seined up about 50 of them. Brought them back to Enterprise and spawned them. And then a couple of years later, Barry and I, I was running a small hatchery then, and Barry and I <clears throat> started, cranked up American sport fish in 85, so we started distributing them. At that time, there were no copper nodes in Mississippi, Louisiana, or Texas, or Georgia, or Tennessee, so we had a, then there a few other farms, fish farms started popping up and they got those from us. So actually all the copper nodes that are distributed across the South came off that little nucleus of me going over there and meeting Mike. But uh, the Texas Parks and Wildlife had done some work on them where they had brought some in from Florida and they did a control study where they put copper nodes in with native bluegill and the copper nodes they, you know, they didn't look at them long enough to say that they were getting max, maximum size would be larger. But the first two years growth exceeded the the, mm -hmm. uh, the native bluegill and they responded better to feed. They, they would come up to feed better than the others would. And you know, one thing I noticed when I sang those things first time, those things would jump the same. I'd never seen a bluegill do that. It's kind of like grass carp jumping over. I was pulling it and these things started leaping over. But anyway, we got them, brought them back. So... I was, the, I guess, I was a Johnny Appleseed of copper. <laughs> yeah, wow. So, hey, Juan, have you got a, have you got a question for Sarah? So we go to, we go to Pickwick every year, mm -hmm. and we catch, we go on a trip every year, and we catch all these. The kids go and another family, and we catch. It's a brim trip. That's what we do. Why don't you catch a bigger there than you do like in your pond? I guess. You mean like why are they so much smaller in the wild? They are. Why is that? Yeah. Um, so that's like 
there's some moving parts to that question. From our experience, number one, we feed, we pellet feed these bluegill and they will eat. It's like nothing you've ever seen. We turn a feeder on and it looks like somebody is just shooting, uh, you know, automatic rounds into the water. It's absolutely insane. So one, they never have to fight for forage. We provide that for them. But also, I believe, because they have mostly been viewed as a food source. You've got over-harvesting, um, not enough catch and release on trophy size bluegill. So that limits the potential for those genetics to stay in that water for them to continue to grow and you know reproduce and spawn and do all that to produce those bigger fish. That's what I think it is. You know, all those coolers that rode back in the truck with you yeah. from the lake, that, that, that's, one, that's what she's saying is uh, a few of those probably should have stayed in there. The uh-huh. Well, so. I mean, we, we throw the little ones back, but we got to keep the big ones. <laughs> Lanny, have you got a question? Yeah, speaking of big ones, how, what, where are we shooting for with this? What, what, how big of a copper nose are we trying to grow? And 4.14 pounds. So where are we? So we're going, we're trying to go 4.14 pounds. Yes. And where are we right now? We're about three and a half pounds. Three and a half pounds. So how long do you estimate? Will that happen this summer? Do you hope it happened in the next year? Or we just don't know. You're just going to stick the feed to them and see what happens. I'm just going to keep feeding them and hope that when the good Lord is ready that I catch that world record out yeah. of that lake. <laughs> Can you catch it with a seine or do you have to does it have to be on a hook? Got to be hook and line. Gotcha. I mean, how often do you try to catch them? Do you fish all the Every time? Every day. Really? You think he's in there well, already? Or is it, a, is it a him or a her? Yeah. Well, I don't know, but I'm thinking it's going to be a her, and I think she's in there. She thinks she's in there. Well, wow. let's go fishing. Wow. I mean, what's up? Well, so, <laughs> no, I ain't so, taking her thunder. Look, <laughs> she's got, guys, y'all need to follow her on Instagram. Yeah, you do. Sarah Parvin, and, uh, and it's also the closer. I'm not sure what the, all that's about. The closer? But. The, she's uh, the closer. I think she's I a like salesperson. Is that for your sales job or for your ability? That's correct. I have a background in sales and marketing, so they call me the closer because I get the deal done. Okay. Wow. <laughs> you right. need to spend some time in his office. <laughs> well, we, got some, we got some guys that need to learn how to close. Mac, you need a tutor? <laughs> so, funny. But she's got an Instagram page, and when you see these fish, you're getting, it's incredible. There's some... Some big brains. <laughs> I mean, they're I, huge. I'm impressed with how thick they are. Yeah, they now, are thick. Yes. So let me ask thick. Don. Don, uh, w- tell us about what's making these fish grow. I mean, obviously she's feeding them, but are these fish? Uh, well, how she, much she bigger might, can they, they get? Have, they may have something unique going on there because there's a lot of people that stock covered over the bluegill and feed and don't get them. Don't get them that size. Sometimes you'll have sort of a anomaly. There may be some food source in there that they're getting a lot of. And back to uh, the other question about, you know, getting bluegill big, uh, those things get big in proportion to the food availability. We used to have some ponds where people wanted big bluegill. We would intensely crowd the bass, you know, stunt the bass so there'd be about 10 to 12 inches and it reduced the total number of bluegill, but the bluegill that remained had. Uh, had adequate food. It's just like thinning a deer herd. You know, if you want big deer, you gotta you gotta thin them out. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, now, one thing that's a little bit different. Uh, those the world record came out of Lake Katona out of Tarrant, and that was an infertile system, and it's got a spring in the bottom, cool water spring, and uh, five mile creek flows through. That thing's about five hundred feet deep, but those fish. Uh, 
uh, several of them are making tremendous progress. The, the only thing I'd be a little concerned about is when you get warm temperatures like you have, Sarah, and very rapid uh, growth, your metabolism gets so fast in those fish, and those like humans getting big and fat, you know, getting burnt out. You, they, the life, my point is the life expectancy may not mm -hmm. be as long to get a fish up to, you know, the world's record is, is uh, four and a quarter. And what's unusual that I didn't really realize is the previous world record came out of that same body of water. It was 410. And the guy put it in the freezer overnight, and, you know, it could have weighed 412, but it's that's a deep, clear, cool body of water. And it was uh, it was actually a limestone quarry. Mm -hmm. So it's extremely hard water, a lot of calcium. I mean, it was calcium, that's what they were getting out of there. I, I don't know what you're, you might get with uh, Sean and see what your alkaline and total hardness is. And, uh, I mean, you know, we say if it was 20 or less, it would line it, but <clears throat> it may pay on the world record. The higher the calcium content, that, that relates to the hard structure and fish, the bones and stuff. And uh, yeah, I'd probably want high total hardness, high alkalinity in there. That, mm -hmm. And the other thing is, uh, I'm not suggesting you do this, but, you know, a thought that I had on this is that. One thing about those fish you got in, you got you got those big females. The picture I saw looked like it was a big female you were holding. And those things are going to try to spawn when the water temperature reaches about 75, 78 degrees. They're going to try to spawn every month. We say in your area, in Huntsville area, it'd be May, June, July, August, September. Well, that's they're expending some energy to when they ovulate and release that. Uh, if they weren't spawning, they may attain more weight. Now, mm -hmm. The only way, the only way you could do that feasible, and I'm not suggesting this, is we used to occasionally would put some fish in cages. It'd be like wire cages with PVC around the top, so it would float. But if you isolated, say, five fish in a cage, so it couldn't spawn, maybe five males in this cage, five in that cage. And don't tell Sean I said this because <laughs> you may want them to build a cage. But anyway, if you had them in there, they can't reproduce. We used to put right. a few bluegill in cages and hold them and feed them so they wouldn't spawn at all and then we'd take them out and we would move them to a pond and bam it all spawned at one side then the offspring would be uniform because it had the same birthday mm -hmm. so if uh, if you had a situation where you had were strictly trying to grow one night you know of course for igfa world record if you had it in a cage in a pond i don't know if that would count so you probably better stay the course but i I think if some way you could get them somewhere where where you only had those big fish in a pond, all you know, all females and all males in there, then you make it push it up <clears throat> a little bit. I mean, it, it's it, it's rare, as you know, to see a fish that's a blue that's three pounds. You get one over that, it's just get extremely rare. Mm -hmm. But 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 you're doing you're doing something right, so. <laughs> don't, don't change much. So, Sarah, can you kind of tell us a little bit about your lake and uh, the, the size, the depth, the structure, anything about it that might be uh, lending itself to making it so productive? Well, and that's what we're actually working with American Sportfish right now is trying to figure out why. How have we done it? Because it's not just the feeding. Obviously, we feed very heavy, which I don't 
recommend um, to just anybody because that has consequences. When you feed as heavy as we feed, you can mess your water up really quickly and it can be a recipe for disaster. But our lake is about five acres. It is not very deep. At the deepest, it's about nine feet deep. But we do have a lot of habitat. Uh, we have a lot of fish habitat in there and a lot of structure for them. And we're hoping we just we just electroshocked last week and we pulled out um, a bunch of fish that left with Sean and American Sportfish to go to Auburn and do some genetic testing and to sort of figure out like what's really going on here because it is a one-off. You just don't see that many big bluegill um, in the type of lake that we have. So there is something unique here and we're, we're trying to figure that out right now in real time. So everybody knows how hard brim fight okay. oh yeah you hook a big a, a good it's like adult, to turn but, but, sideways yeah. best time so in the world these are these like just stretching your rod and i mean are they I, they got to be fun to catch uh let me tell you i I've, ha- I've got lots of friends that are pro anglers um and of course we've got lake gunners will hear so sometimes the the pros will come in to fish and they always want to sneak over to the slab lab and use a little spinning rod and just have the time of their life the fight on these fish is unreal um, I had a pro angler fish with me a couple of weeks ago and he was completely taken aback. He was like, this is insane. Like the rod is completely bent and he was using a medium power rod. And he said, I, I can't get over this. And I'm like, I'm telling you, it is absolutely addicting and it is incredible. And it's great for fishermen of all different levels. First time to season vets that are out there on the water. Every single angler absolutely enjoys this. Oh, yeah, yeah. So, Lanny, it is called the, the, her lake. It's called the Slab Lab. And I like she, it. I think she calls herself the Slab Queen. But, all right. Uh, Sarah, could you tell us a little bit about your father and his involvement in all this? Yeah. Well, I mean, he is the head mad scientist um, of the Slab Lab. It is him that sort of created this environment because he does nothing in moderation, um, so he's either all in or all out with whatever he chooses to do in life. And when we realized the potential that we had here and we halted the bass program, and like Don said, our, our pond does have tiger bass, but we are bass crowded. So um, he decided to really pursue these copper nose and see what he could do. He just absolutely like pushes the envelope. We manage this pond on the bleeding edge. I mean, (laughs) it's, it's really, really interesting um, to see where we have gotten with it. And he um, has a science background, obviously he's a retired doctor. So he, his brain works differently than mine. I like to say he grows them and I catch them. And that's the working relationship that we have out there. Um, so he's very scientific about it. He knows exactly where everything is supposed to be. We run two very large paddle wheels that we cut on um, that help create current. And they also help put oxygen in the water during the time of the year right now where we are. We have a hard time with that. That is a struggle that our pond faces because of all the biomass and the algae. Like we have algae. We have blooms. Like that's what caused our kill four years ago. Um, so he's got it all down to a, a science. He is not a pond management person. He is just, he has that scientific background and he thinks he knows it all like most pond owners. So, 
Yeah, well, he sounds like an interesting guy. His name is yes. Dr. Dennis Olive, if I'm not yes. mistaken. Yeah, so yeah, so obviously he's done something right. He's raised you to love fishing. That's mm-hmm. a, yeah. right out of the gate. That's, That's right. good. So hey, hang on, Sarah. Mac, are you texting? Would you play? You got a question? I do. I have a, I have a few questions. Uh, one of my questions would be, do you tag any of the fish that you catch to see if you're catching the same fish? We don't. We do not tag. This time we don't. We did previously, four years ago, we were tagging our bass, but we were a trophy bass pond at that point in time. We're not tagging right now. And then uh, another question I have is, what bait do you use when you're going after the the big fish? That was my question. Yeah, how do you catch them? Yeah. Right. All right. Are y'all sure y'all are ready for this? (laughs) Oh, yeah. Um, I use a 3.3 inch Kytac swim bait. You're mm. kidding. Mm-mm. You're kidding. No. That's a big Apparently bait. not. It's a swim bait. It's a, it's a swim bait. Well, so you're trying to not catch any small ones. You're trying to just to go after those big fish. Yeah. And it's like I tell people when I bring them out there to fish, you know, I can put you on numbers or we can go for that larger you know, bigger, like personal best bluegill. So, you know, you tell me if I want to go for numbers, I have no issue putting a cricket on a long shank eagle claw hook, size one hook and a bobber. And I will have the time of my life. You want to catch the big ones, we size up. Um, And we have also caught them on a two inch curly tail minnow, um, which they absolutely hammer. I catch fish on that year round, 12 months a year at the Slab Lab. That produces a bite for me. But the 3.3-inch Kytac is something that they chase it uh, down. I have recently discovered, and they 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 eat it every time I throw it. Well, Mac, you got a follow-up question? I do. I have one more question. Uh, as far as tackle for this uh, world record, will you try to use, you know, different forms like a fly rod or a spinning rod or, a, I mean, different tackle to, to get multiple world records, or are you just specific on one? Um, right now, I've not really made a big decision on that. Number one, I don't know how to fly fish. I am getting ready to learn how to do that. But for the most part, I use a spinning rod set up for it. Oh, yeah. That would be so much fun on a spinning rod. But I would yeah. only imagine what one of those things, if they blew up on a popping bug. So, Hey, Don, I got a question for you. So okay. when you think about these fish, when they get this size, three pounds plus would they be more like a heavy overweight person or would they be more like a super athlete i mean i I don't know how to how to answer those fish are growing very fast you know you just look the condition factor on them so it's kind of a combination of both it's probably like a heavy athlete more like a offensive guard than a wide receiver you know so uh, I was going to ask Sarah, are y'all, you know what percent protein are y'all feeding Aquamax or are you feeding, what do you? What, we were uh, feeding Aquamax um, MVP 500, I believe, the first year and a half. And then we switched yeah. over to a proprietary blend from Optimal Feed. And I think it's yeah. 42% protein. Yeah. yeah, I was going to say, you, you know, you need to get that protein up above 40%, like a trout chow or a bass chow or something. Uh-huh. I tell you what, when I think about a, a, th- a, a over three pounds, it's, giant. it's just incredible. 
Landon, what are you thinking? I'm I'm trying to figure out how to grow one. <laughs> you know, how, how I, old are these fish when they get that big? Yeah, that's a good question. Well, they can't be any older than four years. Oh, how, how about she's that? right. <laughs> yeah. Wow. Yeah, that's real. That's really incredible growth for that period of time. Your your key is going to be if you can get them to live. Normally, the, the longevity on a bluegill is going to be about five years. And mm-hmm. the, I think that those in the like Katona and some of these others where that cooler water, water temperature didn't get out of the seventies and it was real deep. Uh, those things were probably, they may have been anywhere from seven, eight, nine, ten 10 years old. They had a slow, but continuous growth. And the other thing about those quarry lakes is like fishing out of a, uh, phosphate pit for bass. Those things, they take an excavator and dig it out. So there's very little spawning areas for them. And so you end up with a low density of fish. Mm-hmm but you have a good bit of food. So there's not much spawning activity in those quarries. Uh, but uh, if you can if you can get them to, to live a long time, then you, you certainly going to get close to your, or achieve your goal there. That, that's going to be the thing. Have you got any, let me ask you this. Have you got any uh, creeks or streams or anything near you there? So we have, so the property backs up to a mountain and there is a, um, uh, a natural water system that comes off the mountain and it spring feeds into the slab lab. You may, you probably get some calcium hardness out there. What I was going to mention is that you need to be real careful about the otters coming there as predators. I, I've seen them wipe out lakes with, and taking out eight, 10 pound bass. And I had a pond one time uh, where I had some brood grass carp. They were 15, 16 pounds and otters came took those out. And uh, I saw, we, we've had some uh, people that had, uh, had trophy lakes over the West Alabama, Charlie Duncan that he's uh, uh, a distributor over there, Bobby knows him, but he had, he had some tremendous lakes and he had otters came in there and I mean, decimated it. It's, mm-hmm. They can eat seven pounds of fish per order per day, and they come in a family. You get a family of six comes in, and that's going to be about 50 pounds a day. And that's so you add to the math, that's 350 pounds in a week. And that's that's almost an acre carrying capacity. So just be, they'll come in the winter, but uh, don't let that, don't let that happen. Yes, we are very mindful of that. Sarah, I was expecting you to tell me the lake was 20 or 25 acres and it had some really deep water. I was too. I was expecting a deep lake. Yeah. It's interesting. um, So it sounds like the water you have is just unbelievably productive. I'm trying to picture in my mind, did y'all lay out riprap or stump beds and all those things to kind of make it more productive? Well, we did. We built up berms. I mean, we, we designed it. You know, 20 plus years ago, I was young, very young, but we designed it back then with the intention of it being a trophy bass lake. And so there were a lot of thought and consideration given into, you know, places where these bass could bed, where things could actually happen. Um, And we have since added to that structure in there. We've put fish habitat in, we've changed things around some, but we have five docks off the lake and each dock has a feeder and so we run five feeders across our five acre lake about five times a day oh wow Mm, got plenty to eat wow yeah (laughs) yeah look i'm looking at the guys 
this what we've learned a lot. It's fascinating. It really is. And I applaud you. I mean, uh, you know, first of all, it seems like the relationship with you and your father is is very pivotal to this whole thing, which is really cool. We were just talking before you got on how our introduction, every one of our introductions to the outdoors was catching brim. I mean, that's how, I mean, I probably wouldn't be sitting here right now if my dad didn't carry me brim fishing back in the day. So uh, what y'all are doing is amazing and it's commendable and can't wait for you to catch it. Him, her, whatever yeah. it is. <laughs> yeah, you know, it, it really, it really is. And whenever I see a father daughter, you know, I really well, like their stories. Right. Of course, you do. But uh, Jesse fishes, doesn't she? Yeah, she, uh, just she, a little she bit. does fish. And, and, uh, <laughs> I, I just imagine, you know, the enjoyment that he gets watching her. Sure, I there. imagine so. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, Sounds like he's special. a mad scientist. So does yeah. anybody have any more questions? I feel like there ought to be something else that we ask. We've learned about copper nose. I, I didn't I'm know a, that. Well, I think I it's going to happen soon. I think she's going to catch it. Like, um, You really believe right now one's in there? Mm-hmm. Yeah, she does. Look at her. She wouldn't lie to you. I'm like, high tech. I cannot believe that. Have you, like I, a do, I do want to say this. I do want to say this. If it was to never happen, if their world re- something happened tomorrow, world record never came out of there. I really don't give a rip because That's what we have done in the last eighteen months for pond management, from a whole different perspective here with these copper nose, is just the very beginning of the story we're still writing. Mm-hmm. And we're completely changing the narrative on pan fishing. I think for so long, and listen, I'm an avid bass angler. I will chase that green fish till the day I die. I've caught four double-digit bass in my life. I'm completely hooked on them. But here's the thing. Pan fishing has been long looked at as the redheaded stepchild of freshwater fishing. It has. It really has. And I want to change that. And I think I'm finally making headway. And I'm completely happy with where we are today. If we never go any further, I'm good. Good for you. That's awesome. I think she is making headway. Yeah, you know, she's yeah. been yeah. and she's focused on the long game. You know, that's what it's all about. So. Yeah, this has been really good. Well, all right, Sarah, Don, y'all don't leave us now. We've got uh, we've got a trivia question, <laughs> and and so here's how I'm gonna set this up. Yeah, I should have asked her that. The but, well, we got a good animal. one for her. Okay, so okay. we're gonna ask Sarah. We're gonna ask you a trivia question, and mm-hmm. your lifeline is Don. If you get stumped, you can reach over to Don, and he can help. But so we're playing there's for one of our listeners mm-hmm. that left a review, and uh, Mac will tell us about that. But if you get the question right, this listener. Wins. wins a big prize. Nobody's ever nobody's ever gotten one wrong. So not much pressure. Yeah, but I will say this is the this is the toughest question that we've asked. Oh man! So I'm nervous. Yeah, uh, Sarah, I'm cheering for you now. Okay. Yeah. All right. So go ahead, Mac. All right. So we're playing for Purdue Hill Pimp. What? And if, uh, if y'all <laughs> what a username! Yeah. <laughs> he left a review. At he the, did. He left. A, he left a review, and that's oh how he got in to win. Okay. And so, uh, if the question is answered correctly, Purdue Hill Pimp will win a mossy oak fishing shirt, shorts, and hat out of John Tatum's budget. Oh, All right. Good. Yeah, yeah. Go oh, well, hey, and this is the. This is those fancy shorts we were talking about. They're so Purdue. comfortable by Hydroplex. We need to get some to Sarah. Yeah, she would do. love those. Oh, these are great fishing shorts. Yeah. Hydroplex is what they call it, I think. Yeah. It's, it's, it's fantastic. So, All right, so Purdue Hill Pimp, this, this is for you now. <laughs> all right. So, so most everyone's heard of a member of the sunfish family called a warmouth. What ah. is another slang term for them? 
Come on. Yep. So, oh my God. So while Come you're thinking, on. while you're thinking, there there's about six or seven that we would accept, and um, it's uh, so you you know think about that. But guys, we've all heard about. I've it. only called them a war mouth. Well, there's another I've name. Uh, there is another name. My there's a life. bunch of other names. And it, I've it's... only ever heard war mouth. I don't, I don't know the slang. I mean, you can call, you can I'm... phone a friend. You can phone a friend. Okay, Don. Ding, ding, ding. Find a friend. Help me out. <laughs> some, people call, some people call a war mouth a uh, stump knocker. They do. That's exactly that right. It? All right. Well, and, and Max, read some of the other names. So we've got Red Eye, Google Eye, Red Eye Brim, Stump Knocker, Mud Gaper, Mo Mouth, Morgan, Molly, Rock Bass, Open Mouth, Weed Bass, Wood Bass, Strawberry Perch, and Mud Bass. Wait, 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 wait. wait. It's a goggle eye. A goggle, goggle eye. eye. Yeah, I mean, and I didn't know a war mouth and a goggle eye were the same the thing. Same thing. Huh. Yeah. Isn't that right, Don? Uh, yes. <laughs> Google there, there's, Eye. There's, there's these these kids that are brought up in the tech world, Google Eye. The variety of those things that look similar, that, you know, it depends on where you are. They call them so, what names. is a war mouth? I've had that discussion in my life. Is it a bass? It's a sunfish. It's a sunfish. Tell, tell us, Don. You're the biologist. Well, Why are you answering Don's question? <laughs> a, a war mouth is, it looks like a, a green sunfish, but it has three bars that radiate back on the opercular flap, and it's, and it's more, you'll find it more in the creeks. Uh, backwaters, uh, green sunfish, you find them a lot in grassy shallow waters but there's a difference between a warm mouth and a green sunfish people call green sunfish around here they'll say we're at warm mouth in a pond but they're really not warm mouth they're different i know they're really good flathead bait well so sarah uh, i I know you knew that when it we just we just you just couldn't pull it up well, she got it right. I mean, she got the phone a friend. Yeah, We're yeah. still 100%. Yeah, Go, Sarah. The Purdue closer Hill got win. it done. <laughs> Purdue Hill Pimp. You think that's chicken pimp? I mean, I don't know. What is that? <laughs> yeah, I guess. Uh, yeah. Well, look, Sarah, have you got anything else you want to tell us? Guys can follow you on Instagram. And, and what, what, Is there anything else you want to make sure we point out? Uh, yeah, you can follow me at Sarah the Closer Parvin on Instagram. I'm also Sarah the Closer Parvin on Facebook and on TikTok. Mm. Oh, tick and talk. Well, we're going to be cheering for you. And, uh, Absolutely. Yeah, and and guys, I, I I've been talking with Richie. We're going to look at trying to go over there and film. Yeah, we got to do some a, kind a, of feature about yeah, this in the yeah, magazine that, or the TV right. show or something like that. Yes, that's what we want to do. A TV show. Y'all need to come catch a big bluegill. I'm in. Yeah, I'm. I'm yeah. Oh wait, we're, we're gonna, you're we're going. Gonna, we'll go do. Oh, I'll go do. Okay, that. this sounds good. Yeah. It sounds like a lot of fun. Uh, Richie's saying no. Richie's so, not getting to go. He's got too much to do. Sarah, thank you uh, for for being being on with us. Thank and, you for what uh, you're absolutely. doing too. Yeah, and and uh, tell your your father we said hello, and we I hope will. he gets feeling better. I think he's sick. You mentioned he was sick. He is. Thank Ooh. you. I'll let him know. Yeah, yep, please yep. do. Don, are you still there? Still here. Yeah, we made you chuckle. I, wait, that That's a hard thing to do. <laughs> Twice. Hey, uh, <laughs> well, hey, one, th- one, one little, little bit, bit of trivia here. I was going to mention to you, Bobby. Uh, you know, we talked about we got started back in 85 and 86. You know, about three years ago, four years ago, world record largemouth bass was broken in Japan. But you should be with that. Somebody called it 22.5. The original was 22 and a quarter out of. Lake Montgomery in Georgia. That was mm-hmm. George Perry back in about 1932. And it's hell. Well, I got to thinking about it. And uh, 
back in the 80s and 90s, nobody was raising Florida bass except us. We were the first ones. And we made two shipments to Japan. I got to think that the only other person that had any was Ryan Slade, Florida Fish Farms. And I don't think he shipped. Ray Scott got us to ship some to South Africa. And then this was a, a customer over the Tokyo Bass Club. And they were taking them somewhere. But, you know, I kind of forgot about it. And then all of a sudden this guy caught a world record. I thought, you know, I wonder who else sent them over there. So anyway, I called uh, uh, IGFA, <coughs> their record committee. And they've got a satellite office in Japan. I, I said, if you would contact them and see if they can find out where those bass came from. I said, I, I got a pretty good feeling they came off American sport fish. So it'd be something we <laughs> supplied the world record bass over That'd there. be amazing. Yeah. yeah. yeah well, and I, you know, Don, I'm friends with Manuba, the Japanese angler that caught me. Are you? I are am. You? Hmm. I don't know if he was in that bass club or not, but like I said, I, I made one shipment over there back in about uh, the year before Barry and I got together. I guess that would have been in spring of 85 that we made another in 86. Well, Don, we uh, we have enjoyed having you. It's good to see you. You're a longtime friend, and uh, we appreciate yeah. all you do. The, 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 the pond fertilizer that you, uh, you helped formulate is just a fantastic product. It uh, we, we love it. Perfect Pond Plus, I'm referring to. You come to Montgomery, call me now when you come over. Yeah, you know, well, it's always good to see you, Don. I, I, I really appreciate it. So thank you all so much for being here. We really right, appreciate thank it. You. Yep. Thank, thank, you. Thank, thank, thank you, Sarah. Sarah. Appreciate it, Don. Bye. 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 Well, guys, I, I mean, I, look. Hey, uh, simply amazing. It really is. It really is. It's cool I, stuff. And I was thinking, too, this is going to be a really deep, clear lake. But, you know, she's doing it on five acres that, you know, nine foot of water. Yeah. Pretty amazing. Hmm. Interesting, interesting to see what happens. Yeah, so the, uh, the you know, the pictures that she shows, uh, they it, it's almost unbelievable mm -hmm. when you look at those fish, just how They're spooky looking out of proportion they are. Make two sandwiches out of one of them, couldn't you, John? Yeah, you could. <laughs> oh, John, we've enjoyed having you. Is there yes. anything else going on that you want you want to say hey to one of your youngins up there in Etiwamba County? I'm good today. I'll let them. <laughs> oh, you need to give a shout out to your kids. Well, hello, Hannah, Trace, and Oliver. There you go. Yeah, there you go. Mac, have you got anything else you want to? I wonder if in Japan they're putting those those bass on some sushi. Would uh, sushi be live bait? Ah. Be I don't raw. know, Mac. I tell you, the things that you wonder about. And, <laughs> and uh, Mac, did you really say a Google eye? I was on Google and I was reading the sheet. <laughs> goggle eye. <laughs> oh, my God. We looked at too much of that Google. I think a warm mouth and a goggle eye is probably one of the most talked about fish there is because they're just yeah. kind of weird. Now, what know? is a pool perch? I, I, a pool I perch is that's what I call a warm mouth. Yeah. Uh, no, now, uh, that's I just think a sunfish. A sunfish, think, a yeah. sunfish so. But a warmouth is a little longer, isn't yeah, it? Yeah, he's kind of. He kind of looks. A, I always thought it was a cross between a brim and a bass. Yeah, that's what a lot of people <laughs> but think. But I don't think that's possible. Yeah. Is yeah. It? No, it's not possible. But that's what they kind of look like, for yeah. sure. That's what I was thinking. Well, look, this has been interesting. John, and, uh, absolutely. Juan, thank you for being here, buddy. Absolutely. Yeah. So, guys, you'll, if you'll go to Mossy Oak Gamekeeper. Um, and then podcast the po giveaway. Podcast giveaway and put in nine. The answer is nine. So last week's was was twenty ten. Right? Can I do this? Yes, right. you can. No, you cannot do this. You can do it, but you won't win. Uh, and the, this week's answer is nine. Yep. And we're counting down to we're going to pull up. 
narrow one right. <laughs> <laughs> so next week we're going to give away some Russell boots, and then the next week is going to be a Gunner Kennel, a Gamekeeper edition, and, and then, then we're going to pull there. out Toxie's uh, A5 out of the out safe. Of the, out of the safe. The better in bottomland browning. Yep. I love it. Yep. All right. All right. Why don't you say goodbye, John? Everybody have a lovely day. Get us out of here, Mac Mac. Thanks for tuning in to this week's episode of the Gamekeeper Podcast. And be sure to tune in again. Subscribe to Gamekeeper Farming for Wildlife magazine. And don't miss the Mossy Oak Properties Fistful of Dirt podcast with my good buddy, Ronnie Cuz Strickland.